Memorial Stadium. Since 1962. Since 1962. A sellout crowd. A sellout crowd. All sold out. Hey, we sold out, but we still saved you a seat. The sellout with Mitch Sherman and Max Olson. Hello and welcome to Season 1, Episode 1 of The Sellouts, a podcast on Nebraska football. I'm Mitch Sherman, Nebraska football writer for The Athletic, joined here at Memorial Stadium by Max Olson, the esteemed national college football writer for The Athletic. We will be with you every week for the foreseeable future, unless told otherwise, on Mondays and Fridays this week. It's Tuesday as part of our company-wide launch of podcasts at The Athletic. So, Max, this is exciting. We're here at Memorial Stadium. It's game week. Uh, Nebraska is set to play South Alabama at Memorial Stadium Saturday, 11 a.m. Central Time. I think they're going to play this opener, too. They are going to play the opener this year, and that is an important uh, important <laughs> thing to note as the opener a year ago was was not played. It does look like a little stormy though as I look out the window here so maybe kind of an ominous vibe to, to begin this podcast and this this season. Yeah today as we tape it's a it's not a normal August day in Lincoln it's a little cooler. The forecast for Saturday though looks good. They're talking about low 70s, uh, some clouds, some sun. I, I don't think there's gonna be any lightning in the area like there was on <laughs> on September 1st uh, a year ago. So uh, just a little bit about where we are right now. Max and I are, are sitting in the visiting coaches booth at Memorial Stadium. We've got a nice view of uh, some window washers who um, hopefully have safety in mind as they as they uh, throw ropes down in front of the press box windows as we as we tape this episode. Um, there's probably been a lot of lot of profanity, a lot of celebrating gone that's taken place in this room over the years. It's, yeah, it's an exciting place to be. In recent years, there's been some celebrating. There's been a lot in yeah. this room. Yeah, I, no, I noticed that this booth that we're in, the visiting coaches booth, is much smaller than the home coaches. Booth. It's humbling. Yeah, it's a humbling yeah. place to begin this podcast. The walls are not painted pink. They're not. <laughs> but uh, today. Just to cover a little bit about what we're going to go over today in this first episode, bear with us as we get started on this thing. We're going to talk about Maurice Washington. He is the Nebraska running back, the sophomore from California, whose playing status has been very much up in the air since since uh, really the early in the offseason when revelations came out about uh, a court case, a felony charge with which Washington has been has been um, charged back in Santa Clara County. Um, it's been a waiting game really all through this offseason, Max, as Nebraska, from an administrative standpoint, from a football standpoint, has looked for some kind of clarity on what would happen in California. And as we approach the season, nothing yet has has happened. Yeah, it's funny. I, I moved back uh, here to, to Lincoln in May, and I think that's when people find out what I do for a living. That's kind of been like the number one question people have asked me is like, hey, what what's going to happen with Washington? What do you think? And I don't like, you know, obviously like there is the four-game redshirt rule and there are ways you can kind of get around if you don't have him available. But Mitch, I mean, do you, do you think he's, you know, you look at the depth chart, you see him listed as the co-starter at running back. Obviously, you know, in the in the, in the opportunities we had to, to watch a little bit of fall camp, you know, he he runs with the ones just like usual. What what do you expect, um, you know, with just a couple days away from, you know, needing a verdict on if he can play in the first game? Yeah, I expect that he's going to play. Um, you know, I, from my perspective, Nebraska has had seven months 
or longer. Um, this was a case that existed, at least from an investigative standpoint, even a year ago, even early in the season last year, Nebraska was made aware that um, this was happening, that there was an investigation. There were no charges filed until December, so not a lot of controversy necessarily with Maurice and, and his playing status as a true freshman a year ago, but there have been charges on the books for, for quite some time, and I think Nebraska has has had to, from an administrative standpoint, be prepared that this would be unresolved on August 31st when the season opens. So I, I think they've, they've been prepared for it. And I was a little surprised, Max, that Scott Frost came into the press conference here at Memorial Stadium on Monday and did not offer a definitive answer. Um, in fact, and, I, and he, honestly, like he, he even brought it up. Like he, he was pretty vague of like, there's a couple scenarios where it does happen. There's a couple scenarios where it doesn't yeah. happen. It was interesting to see the way he framed it. Yeah. He characterized the situation as if Nebraska is still in communication with its own legal and administrative side to get some kind of clarity on exactly what Washington's status is. If in fact, this is unresolved. And, and I, I think there's, unless they know something that we have no idea about. It is going to be unresolved on mm-hmm. on Saturday. There is a court hearing scheduled for next week, but even then, there's not going to be a resolution unless it's a plea agreement. And this case in court has appeared to, to be to, to not be headed toward a plea agreement at least over the summer, as the date dates in court have been pushed back and back. So I I guess the question then, um, if if this isn't resolved, is I guess what is Nebraska's appetite for for backlash on this um, with letting a player play that has a, an unresolved legal issue? What do you what do you think? Yeah, I think Nebraska's preparing itself to play him and preparing itself to. Uh, to take the heat, whatever that is. And I think it's important that we that we point out, and it's important to be pointed out every time Washington's case is brought up, that he, that he is not charged with a violent crime. Um, what he is charged with, um, without getting too explicit, is sending an email that depicted a sexual act. And he is charged with sending it to the victim, in this case, of the sexual act. So there is a minor um, who who is is in the crosshairs here. There was a minor sure. who was affected by this. Um, it's a former girlfriend of his. And it, it is, it is a, a, I would say, a, a, a very difficult and touchy situation. And, and I don't think you're trying to downplay it. No. I, I, I understand what you mean. Yeah, so I, I think Nebraska's prepared for backlash, but I, I think there was a strategy involved in, in waiting with this, um, you know, with waiting on an announcement um, to avoid some of the backlash, frankly, that could have happened this week um, if if they had made an announcement that he was that he was ready to play. Yeah, you know, obviously the the, the timing of this, you you got to keep in mind too. It's like, do they need Maurice Washington uh, to to play against South Alabama in Week One? I I would say no. I mean, I think you could get by perfectly fine with Dedrick Mills and, and the cast of running backs they have. And you'd imagine the starters, um, if things go right for Nebraska, aren't playing a, a ton of minutes in this game. And, and that buys you more time to resolve this next week. But, um, you know, I, I also understand. I, I, I think it's clear, even if, if Scott Frost doesn't want to get too too into it, uh, it, it's a real source of frustration that this thing has not uh, been resolved prior to the season. I, I hear what you're saying, and, and I think Nebraska could have been in a situation where it sat him for this game. 
but I don't think there's going to be resolution before the Colorado game. There's no indication that the hearing on September 3rd is going to lead to a verdict or necessarily a plea agreement. So if you set the precedent from Nebraska's perspective of suspending him for one week, I'm not sure that that also looks like the right thing to do to say yeah. this was worthy of a one-game suspension. What he did being charged with a felony is worthy of a one-game suspension. I think Nebraska will be able to, in the wake of this, when it is determined, if it is determined that he's he's going to play this season while this case is in flux, that they are waiting until there's resolution in the court, and then Nebraska will act either in, in making a disciplinary decision or, or in not making a disciplinary decision if, if, he's, if he's acquitted. Yeah, you know, I think, I think he, you know, in, in not being able to say too much today, I think he chose his words carefully, and what he said was, we're taking it very seriously and trying to do what's right for everybody involved. So right. uh, I guess we'll see what that, that looks like, and, and certainly if they play him, then, then there will be a lot of questions on Saturday night, and, uh, you know, I guess we'll see what answer he's, he's ready to provide for that. Sure. So let's move on to what was probably the other biggest news development early in the week here at Nebraska as the Huskers get ready for week one against South Alabama on Saturday. And that's the release of the first depth chart, the first depth chart since since pre-Black Friday. It's been a long, long offseason for Nebraska, two straight years without a bowl game. And, and uh, on Monday this week, fans and media got a look at, at a depth chart that includes a true freshman, Wandale Robinson, in a starting position at wide receiver opposite J.D. Spielman. So, and then kind of I know uh, the grad transfer from Cal, uh, a senior, is is also a starting receiver. So two newcomers for Nebraska at the receiver spot as the Huskers look to replace 1,000-yard 1, uh, yard receiver Stanley Morgan now with the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, that, that to me, Max, was probably the biggest development on, on the depth chart release. We knew on Friday about Cam Jurgens, who returned to good health. Nebraska's Which is kind of, kind of miraculous that he's available for this game. I right. think Frost even said it, that he couldn't believe how quickly he recovered. Yeah, Nebraska starting center Cam Jurgens has been out with a, with a, a lower body injury, an undisclosed lower body injury. Um, previously has had, has had foot injuries. He's been out uh, late in the summer through fall camp. And then last week... He was in pads, and he was working out, and he was seen on video when the Big Ten Network was in Lincoln for its tour stop. So, lo and behold, Cam Jurgens is your starting center. You you spend, like, all fall camp trying to kind of work through what are we going to do at center, and and Frost thought he'd be out a couple weeks, and and then there he is. And then, um, yeah, it's (laughs) that pleasant surprise for them. Um, Shout out to Trent Hickson, also starter at left guard, who received his scholarship uh, over the weekend, I believe. it seemed like with with Jurgens back there, though they they definitely I think solidify the line the way they wanted to. Yeah, I mean it makes me wonder about what Nebraska has behind Jurgens at center. Sure, um, you know by all accounts he's not being rushed back into action. I don't think you do that against South Alabama. Sure, but he's a new starter. He's coming off of an injury. He's injury prone. Frost said that he might be on a pitch count early in the season, or at least here in week one. Uh, very, there's, there's a lot of intrigue at the, at the interior spots on that offensive line. Nebraska's pretty set at the tackle spots, but with Hickson, the recently promoted walk-on, and Jurgens, another new starter who's coming off of an injury, it'll be interesting to watch, even in this first game, how Nebraska holds up on, on the interior of the offensive line. It is. You know, it, what, another thing that stood out to me looking through this depth chart, I counted it up, you've got 
28 players, I believe, on this depth chart uh, who who this coaching staff recruited. You know, so I think you're starting to see their guys um, earning more of those spots. I think Caleb Tanner being listed as a or starter at, at outside linebacker was a was a pleasant surprise there. Um, they're trying to get uh, JoJo Doman back. Uh, but but certainly Caleb Tanner, kind of a freaky talent who uh, I think would be pretty exciting to see if, if he's playing uh, major minutes. And I, you know, another thing that looked stood out to me, you look at like the the kick return spot, and it's Maurice Washington, Wandale Robinson, Ramir Johnson, Miles Jones. It's just kind of a reflection of the speed that this staff has brought in um, pretty quickly here. Those are all guys recruited by Scott Frost and his staff. Um, and, and I think you're going to see a lot more of those elements. Uh, Mitch, you asked him today. I mean, I, you look at last year's team and you feel like it was really built around running back, one running back and a couple of receivers. And I think now a lot more diverse situation in terms of your offensive playmakers. Absolutely. That's a great point, Max, about the, the, um, the skill talent that is in position to return kicks between the punt return and the kick return uh, depth chart spots, only J.D. Spielman was recruited by the previous staff. Yeah, and yeah. this is a coaching staff that's been in place for one year, has brought in two recruiting classes. So the emphasis on speed is is uh, very much evidenced by the guys who are returning kicks. I, I, I would also look on the defensive side to what's happening on the defensive line um, Nebraska's returning Ben Stilley as its as its top producer of sacks. Um, he he's a he's a starter at six five, two hundred and ninety five pounds. You know, this is a major award candidate, and he's a, he's listed as a backup at at right defensive end. So that speaks to the one spot on the team outside of the quarterback position where the Huskers have, I think, the kind of depth that they would like to have years from now. Honestly, just me looking at it like I, you see a three-man front of 320, 340, 315. <laughs> that, that stood out to me a little bit, especially in how much I've been covering the Big 12 here the last few years. You don't really see that uh, very much in that league. And, and yeah, I think they that depth chart um, on the defensive line does not list a lot of guys that, that are going to con- contribute quite a bit. I would say that Nebraska's – Depth and size across the defensive line is going to be the the item that surprises people nationally about this team more than anything else. You know what what to expect from a Scott Frost team on the offensive side. And I think people know what to expect or believe they know what to expect from this team on the defensive side. And a lot of that comes from the points that were put up against his teams at Central Florida and the yards and points that Nebraska allowed a year ago. And I think you'll see a drop in those numbers, but I don't think people quite expect the size and, and, and depth that the Huskers have up front on defense. And that, that, that'll be interesting to see, especially when they get into week two against Colorado, how that's received outside of, outside of this state. Yeah, I'm with you. You know, another thing that stood out to me today, just just being around some of these players at the press conference, like the the confidence of Diedrich Mills uh, was extremely evident right away. This is a a kid who who said his goal is 1,500 rushing yards this year. Who who called himself Beast Mode. Who you know when when asked if he was you know pleasantly surprised by the depth chart, he said, "No, this is what I do." I mean, this is uh, I, I think you uh, you know the, the, you've got a lot of guys on this team. I feel like. Uh, that have injected some confidence into this into this roster. I mean, I, just listening to even listening to Cam Taylor today, who um, you know I think is a guy that 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 
uh, got a black shirt, and we'll get into that. But uh, you know, these younger guys that that came to compete, I think you see that. I think you're going to see it in the secondary play in a lot of ways, where those guys are, I think, going to finally play with the confidence level of knowing the scheme and 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 going and making plays um, that they weren't, didn't totally figure out last year. Like just a confident group that that's clearly ready to to go out and play. Hey guys, we want to thank you for tuning into the show. Max and I are thrilled to co-host the sellouts, and we're also excited about all the new college football and NFL podcasts released by The Athletic. If you're interested in more Big Ten talk, try our Ohio State podcast, 4 to 6 with AB, hosted by Ari Wasserman and Bill Landis. Or if the ACC insight is what you're after, then our Clemson podcast, Protect the Rock, with Nicole Auerbach and Grace Rayner, is definitely a show you should check out. To receive updates and notifications when new podcasts release, make sure you follow our show on the Athletic website or app. Let's get back to the show. Speaking of the defense, let's talk about the black shirts. And today, this was overshadowed somewhat. Usually on the day that the black shirts are handed out, you know, you've got sirens going off I around know, the state like, of Nebraska. I, people were like weirdly calm about that today. I was kind of stunned when... Those they, the players start mentioning all oh, the black shirts were given out today, and everyone just kind of nodded and, and went about their day. Like, what 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 happened to the black shirts, Mitch? Yeah, that, that was uh, I think that was the timing. I think if that had happened a week ago, that, get, yeah, that you would have had, yeah, um, you you, you would have seen a different reaction. And the way that Nebraska handed out the black shirts today was Pretty also cool. newsworthy yeah. and different, different than anything that I've seen. I've been around this program for twenty five years uh, to date myself, and. I've not heard of a scenario where the black shirts were handed out the way they were today. Yeah. Former former players, Jason Peter, uh, Jay Foreman, Keo Craver, Mark Munford to go back to the eighties, Tony Veland, Zach Bowman, Zach Bowman, Steve Warren, uh, Chad and Chris Kelsey. So Barrett Rude got in on the mix. Barrett Rude as the inside linebackers coach, of course, is a former black shirt. He handed out the black shirt to, to Mo Berry and presumably the two other inside linebackers, Colin Miller and Will Honus, who received them today. So, and they all delivered a message. And Scott Frost uh, provided a bit of insight into the message that some of the guys delivered, notably Jay Foreman, who played with Scott Frost. Right. And told the team that he plans to be buried with his black shirt when he dies. So you know, and that's the thing he said he didn't want to just kind of hang the jersey on the locker. And I, and I think in, you you heard players say today they're glad it you know that to to add a little extra emphasis because it's not just a shirt. But like I, I I like that idea right of like it literally making it like it, we're passing the torch to these players. This is something that Scott Frost has proven to be very good at in his in yeah. his year plus at Nebraska is coming up with ideas to incorporate the history of the program in in, in ways that have never really been thought of. Before. He, his his like sense for play the hits is is pretty impressive. Yeah, a year ago he brought he brought Peter and, and Grant Wistrom, famous uh, bad boys from the the '97 national championship team, and, and that was Frost's team. Also, he brought those guys into camp, maybe in a predictable move, just to basically yell at them about how it's supposed to be at Nebraska, which is awesome. They did. They yeah. they, they came in and yelled at them, and, and you saw video of it, and it was two forty. 40-something-year-old guys standing in front of a bunch of teenagers just yelling and uh, scaring them, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. And, and then today it was it was um, a little bit of an, an advanced play on that and, and bringing in a, a whole host of, of black shirts. So, By the uh, way, are you, you good with giving them out before they've played a game? Because you remember like the Polini years, this was just like a thing every year of like, when is the, the right, uh, you know, acceptable 
way, uh, you know, time and way to give out black shirts. Do you like you okay with it before the season at the end of camp? Yes, I, I think this is this is right in line with the way that Scott Frost has done things before. You know, if he can take a page out of Tom Osborne's playbook. Scott Frost is going to do it almost every time. Every time, yeah. And, and this is about the way that it was done in the the old days of Nebraska football. They would get the black shirts in camp. I I, I believe it was in fact on the day that that school started, which is which is Monday on campus around Lincoln, and um, that that when the entire team reports. Everybody is here. They would have some kind of a ceremony. So this is right in step, very much in keeping true to form with the way the Frost regime has gotten off the ground in uh, in doing things in a very Osborne-esque way. Well, I think you saw the same thing with the captains this weekend, right? Yeah, captains announced on Saturday night. And, and again, it's like a modern twist on an old way to do it because the, the, uh, the boneyard bash that Nebraska had with its student section in Memorial Stadium on Saturday night, not a practice, just kind of a – of a uh, a very brief walkthrough where the team came out and and the students are are, are there with them and they announced the captains on, on Saturday night and of course let, let's talk quickly about the captains of course you have Adrian Martinez the sophomore quarterback just the second sophomore in the history of the program to to receive this this honor no surprise at all with Martinez as the captain uh, at least one of the captains on the offensive yeah, side yeah absolutely none <laughs> That was that was obvious. I would say from from the day the season ended a year ago that Adrian Martinez would be a captain on this team. Matt Farniak, uh, the starter, junior starter at right tackle, the other captain on offense, and then on the defensive side, you've got two seniors. Muhammad Barry was was pretty obvious as a mm-hmm. captain. He, captain, he's the uh, the middle linebacker who's going to be going to be calling the plays on defense, the quarterback of the defense. And then I'm curious to get your thoughts. On, on Darian Daniels. Darian Daniels was in this kind of a role at Oklahoma State last year where he was a leader on that team and opted to to transfer to Nebraska after the season, after signing day, right. and join his brother Damian Daniels, who's a sophomore. They'll be playing the same position in the middle of the defensive line, Darian a, a, as the starter and a captain in, in his first fall in Lincoln. Yeah, it's kind of – it's always an interesting thing where, like, you, you think you could – kind of look at that two ways you could say well that's interesting that someone could just walk into this program in january and become one of their best leaders that that maybe that's kind of where they're at as a program but i think probably it more speaks to just kind of what kind of guy darian daniels is i, I you know he he said today that he basically just came here to, to help his brother and and kind of have a a unique experience for his last season of college football and the fact that everyone kind of wrapped their arms around him and and embraced him, he doesn't totally get why it's been this great, but it's been great for him. And uh, yeah, it's certainly a guy that I think could have contributed at a high level uh, at Oklahoma State, and and now uh, is ahead of his brother on the depth chart here, and and a guy that clearly everybody on this defense really really leans on. So uh, yeah, I think it certainly speaks volumes about. Uh, what kind of player they added there, and and I, that's I think that's kind of a consistent theme of this depth chart, isn't it? That they the players they've added this offseason who've earned these roles. Uh, I I don't think it's unfair to expect really big things from them. You know, there was a, a conversation had early in the summer about who would be the most significant newcomer on this team, and mm-hmm. the four guys who who came to mind, the four guys who I think were the most obvious candidates, were all people. Well, three of them that we've talked about here today. Wandale Robinson on the offensive side, who's a starter as a true freshman from day one at at wide receiver and expected to be a difference maker in in, in numerous ways on on offense and on special teams for Nebraska. Darian Daniels, a captain from day one. Dedrick Mills, the starting running back from day one. And and Kanavai Noah, 
who is also listed as a starter at wide receiver and is another interesting case as a grad transfer from Cal. So it tells you a bit, I think, about the kind of help that Nebraska needed from yeah. its from its transfers and newcomers, but also about how these guys are are setting the tone for the culture in Lincoln as soon as they set foot on campus. Yeah, it was funny because we you know we were together at that last uh, you know one of the, the last practices in camp where they opened it up to the media to watch for 30, 40, 50 minutes, and and Wandell Robinson and, and kind of Inoa were, were not practicing. So I mean, you and I have not really seen to- totally seen I guess what these guys can do. Um, and that it's 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 that's what makes I think this opener pretty exciting. To I, I I'm sure they're going to save quite a bit for Colorado, but uh, I would imagine the offensive firepower is is going to be uh, pretty cool to watch here in, in week one. What, what do you want to see most? As you know, your perspective, not being around Nebraska every day, as somebody who watches college football with a national eye. If you're looking at this Nebraska game against South Alabama on Saturday morning, you know what do you what are you more interested in the offense, on the defense, the newcomers? What what are, what are you targeting as things you want to see from this team right off the bat? Yeah, I mean, I guess you kind of like if you assume the offense is going to go do its thing and score score forty or fifty or maybe even a lot more in this game. Like I think you, you it makes sense to be a lot more curious, to sort of how everything flows defensively, kind of how this group clicks together. I think you you see the pieces at, at each level and you can see the experience level. Um, I think they're in a lot better shape than they were a year ago. Uh, but you kind of wonder, is this going to be a group that 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 is, you know, forcing takeaways and, and getting three and outs and actually um, getting stops? Because I, I don't think anyone's really sitting here wondering how good this offense can be. I think we know it's going to score a lot of points and be really fast and, and I think be – you know, unbelievably efficient as long as Adrian Martinez is on the field. I think it's, uh, to me, I guess I'm a little bit more intrigued by the defense, and then and then just individually, I think it's Wandale Robinson. Just if 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 they're going to give him 10, 15 touches, is it you know all over the field? Is is he kind of their DeAnthony Thomas in this offense, um, who's who's split out and who's motioning in the backfield and doing all sorts of different stuff? Curious to see the usage there, but like I said, probably saving a lot there too. What what stands out to you, kind of what what are you expecting on Saturday? Yeah, I'm with you in that. In that, I you know I, I want to see how the defense plays. I want to see if they are as aggressive and as quick to the ball and as as prone to create turnovers as the players and coaches would have you believe from listening to them through the off season and 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 through the month of August. I I think this is a a defense that if they're playing at their capability or if they're heading in a direction that. Eric Janander as a defensive coordinator wants to see there's pressure all over the field on Saturday. This is an outmatched opponent that Nebraska's playing in South Alabama. This is not uh, even Troy from a year ago. And there's right. some comparison, I think, because they're... Hey, in, don't hate on Troy, man. Troy was pretty good. Troy was good. And I'm saying <laughs> South Alabama is not at Troy's level. I agree. Yeah. So I, I don't think you have to have some of the same concerns that Nebraska had against Troy. And Troy, as a program, didn't just beat Nebraska last yeah. year. Yeah. They've hung with SEC teams. They've so. hung with Clemson and LSU and some pretty good ones there. With right. Nebraska. So, But, but yeah. this is not Troy. Sure. So I, I want to see I, I want to see Nebraska putting defensive pressure on South Alabama from the first snap of the first series. If I'm Eric Janander and Scott Frost, so that to me I'm I'm probably watching that more than anything. I mean, if Adrian Martinez gallops down the sideline on a on a 40 yard run right off the bat, you know, in 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 the first series. Okay, you know, I'll shrug my shoulders and say that's nice. We've seen him do that before. Yeah. But I, what do you got that's new? I imagine Frost and Shenander, you know, 
ultimately you're, the optimistic, uh, I guess, hope here is that you can kind of just get the starters out after the first half and kind of get, get some good reps for your backups and, and you know, co- be able to come out of this one pretty fresh for Colorado and without too many injuries. So it, that depends on how much they can just control the game and play good defense, I think, in the first half. Yeah, I don't think from an offensive standpoint there, there's much to prove before you go to Colorado. Stay healthy, and, and I'll be intrigued by the newcomers, by Diedrich Mills, by Wandale Robinson, by Conovai Noah, to see what those guys can give you, and Cam Jurgens. Cam sure. Jurgens, maybe, you know, it's, it's strange to say that I'm going to be watching the center uh, maybe most of all uh, sure. of, of the offensive players, but I, I, I will be, and I, I don't know if I've ever gone into a game more interested to see what an offensive lineman gives you than I will be with Cam Jurgens against South Alabama this week. But, but uh, they might be smart and just play him fifteen plays or twenty plays. It could too, be. You know? It could be. Yeah, I, 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 I get that sense. If you're even going to bring that up as a coach that a player on the offensive line could be on a pitch count, then I, I think they will have to ease him back into this. Yeah. Thing. Well, and it helped to go through all camp having guys, you know, get, get reps with the snaps there and, and get ready for it. So it's, uh, I, you know, I'm sure we'll dive a lot more into that, that matchup here later in the week with our second podcast. But, uh, yeah, this it builds up to uh, what should be a pretty pretty great test next week. So something that we want to do with the listeners every week is is give people a little bit of a sense of of what we're working on, our stories for the athletic in the the upcoming days. What you can look for if you're if you're listening to our podcast on Tuesday or Wednesday. What you can expect from us in the rest of the week. Obviously, I'll be at the the South Alabama game. This weekend, and and then and then steering the ship toward Colorado very quickly after that. But Max, you you've just returned from some travels. So what what do you have coming up on your plate? Yeah, uh, went and visited Scott Frost's former school, Stanford, last week, uh, and and then also popped down to uh, check out uh, Texas and Baylor uh, when I was down in the state of Texas. So a uh, bunch of stories to to write here in the next few weeks. Uh, you know, certainly going to be writing on Texas leading up to their. Uh, their their big test next week against LSU, but um, yeah, good to be back here after a, a long long fun week on the road. And uh, boy, the season snuck up on us pretty quickly. Absolutely, and I, I've I've got something that I've probably had more fun reporting than yeah. This one's gonna be good. Just about any story that I've worked on in in quite some time. De- definitely in my in my six months at the Athletic, I, I've had more fun reporting this story than than any other. It'll be out later this week. Um, on the site and on the app, and uh, just a, a bit of a tease about it. It, it uh, required me or allowed me to interview a couple of meteorologists. I was on uh, I was on email communications with with Noah today about this uh, this story. I I talked to uh, some TV broadcasters. So uh, I, I'm looking back at at the opener from a year ago and everything that went into that. And I, I think it'll be uh, the, the Scott Frost debut that, uh, that never happened. Yes. If you were from our perspective right now and watching that game, you saw a kickoff, a touchback, a man run on the field, and then everybody leave followed by a two hour party, a downpour, and let's call it a night. So there's a lot more that and, happened, you know, and, uh, Basically, a game that kind of screwed them up for uh, for the, the weeks to come. It really did, and I had some conversations with people about that that I'll, I'll include in in the story. But Nebraska's zero and six start last year, I think, was largely impacted by the fact that it did not play a game 
on September 1st of, of 2018. So I will be getting into all of that on Friday and, uh, and then we will have lots of, lots of football coverage for you all over the, all over the athletic this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. We'll also have a new thing I'm doing, uh, this season, a weekly post, um, kind of tracking the, the top freshmen in the country and, and, and certainly Nebraska, uh, should have a few of those. So we'll have that, the first version of that out this week, kind of, uh, keeping track of the best true freshmen, redshirt freshmen across the country. And, uh, like I said, I think Juan Hill Robinson, Cam Jurgens, we got a couple guys that, that we'll be watching pretty closely for the Huskers. So I guess we just did a podcast. Yeah, we did it. You know, we didn't get to we didn't really enlighten people on the history of uh ultimately naming this the sellouts. It is called the sellouts, not because of us. We are not sellouts, but Memorial Stadium has well, been sold out for three hundred and sixty eight consecutive games. It will be three hundred and sixty nine consecutive games on Saturday. I mean, so, some people might say we're sellouts, like our work exists behind behind a paywall now. You that know? is that yeah. If you want to go if you want to go that way, then that then that's fine. But uh, the sellouts was an interesting uh, it was an interesting decision to get to that point. We uh, we ran into some some obstacles uh, tried to go at one point with corn on the pod. Yeah. Corn on the pod was taken. Um, Why was it taken? There's a guy who has a corn on the pod podcast, but it's not about, it's not about football. No, it's about, it's about farming and snakes. Wasn't it? Yes. I I think there was an agricultural element. Yeah. So if you're listening and you know about corn on the pod, then please let us know. Otherwise uh, what we're going to be back. With an episode on Friday, we encourage everybody to listen to the sellouts on the Athletic app. Our Friday episodes will be free to download on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.